Hello and welcome. It's your GM, David here. We recorded this game while our area was under a lockdown, so it was all remote. I've put in a lot of effort with the post-processing, but the audio is still a little bit crunchier than usual. Thankfully, we are now able to record together again, though, so expect a return to better quality in future games. That disclaimer aside, I pulled together some of my closest friends for our Ghost Lines game, so stick around and expect a riotously good time. Enjoy! Last time on Trials of the Apocalypse. Well, first off, it is your conductorship. That is how I prefer to be referred. The train tonight is chock full of Imperials from Akaros. This yes. might be an express line, designed to go fast, not carry much, but it's for important stuff, maybe. The first car is VIPs. The second through sixth car are all troops who are being moved. And then the final three cars are all storage of some kind, all, all stuff that's getting moved. Uh, I don't imagine a lot of of line bulls last more than a handful of years. Severus has ghost hunting horses, which is just the dopest shit. Oh, yes, uh, I am Granger Winterman. And he gestures to his ear. You see the shiny gold in his lobe. How can we get him to let us look at the cargo cars? Unless you pull rank on him, he's going to listen to orders. Or like if, you know, an emergency demanded it. Miss Owl, you are coming with me, yes? Yes. Rowan, are you coming with us as well? Yes. What do you want? Go up top with me. We'll make a bet. I'm listening. I bet you're the first one to turn it in today. And I think I think she punches him in the arm. Half the cuts the stakes. deal has been made. It has been sealed with a punch, as I was going to say as Al Akarosi do, but as Strathmill does. <laughs> uh, and the two of you suit up. Am I to assume then that as the Eric or as the Eric, I, I was looking at the word anchor and your name is Zirik, and I just, just sort of <laughs> merged them. Uh, as the anchor Zirik, uh, you, I assume, are going to don your, your heavy garb, your heavy encounter suit yeah Yeah, he'll do that now all of you have encounter suits which as soon as like when you boarded the train you all are all suited up now ready to do your ghost busting job Mm -hmm. um but as the anchor yours is especially chonky zarek so you've donned yours uh both of you you and strathmill with your gear in tow strathmill you are the rook so you have your heavy lightning hook it's the the big boy how are you interpreting that i'm wondering actually the only words we have to describe it are heavy, lightning, and hook. Um, well, I would say that it's it's a hook. Mm-hmm. And it's it's probably pretty heavy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, tell me, you know, tell me what's one what's one more adjective you know about it? Uh, I would imagine it's got sort of a lightning aesthetic. Holy <laughs> shit, that sounds incredible. <laughs> no, um, honestly, I'm picturing like a grappling hook, like kind of a like a head size, like like one one loopy of the grappling hook is head-sized. It's probably got like, um, like wherever you hold, you hold the rope of it mm-hmm. from, um, it's got like a button on it that makes it go, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but like actually actually no like the the i said rope but actually imagine more like a chain it's a it's a it's a it's an electrified well the the chain has a has a wire through it that like can then electrify the whole thing and the grappling hook itself well just because of strathmill's whole approach to things i'm almost imagining for strathmill the heavy lightning hook uh hers is like wrist mounted like almost like it's like a, a over gauntlet sort of thing Ooh! and then you can like eject it like a grappling hook and it'll like grab a ghost and then you can like press a button and it goes full electric yeah i love that it's electric anyway uh no yeah i love that that's very very cool I'm imagining the regular, uh, like there's there's normal lightning hooks, but now that we've established that the heavy looks like that, I feel like the regular lightning hooks, uh, like a pole with uh, the the hook on the end, and it's sort of like a fishing pole in that you can like, oh, interesting, hit people with it, but then also you could like cast it uh, at a ghost. I've always thought of lightning hooks, and I imagine there's a great variety. Yeah, among them, as befits this kind of industrial age, I always imagine lightning hooks kind of like those extended collars with a wire loop at the end that are used for, like you know, animal patrol kind of stuff. Oh yeah, so it's sort of like a, a wrangling tool. Maybe I, with I like, like a telescoping the... uh, handle so that yeah. you can store it and then. Hmm. Exactly. We'll say all the regular uh, lightning hooks that you have are like that. And then the specialty one here for the Rook is a big, ch- like, I'm almost imagining a claw the size on like a claw game sort of situation, yeah, but yeah, like yeah, bigger yeah. and like beefier and like more industrial. Um, uh, I also, I also just wanted to throw out some imagery that I had in my head. Um, a couple things. Uh, one, I was thinking that like the chain for it could be like, Basically, since since you were thinking like the, the the thing could be cast out from like a gauntlet type of thing, yeah, that like that could be sitting sitting there, and then the chain could be going along the arm and then onto the back and like be like wound up on the back, so that oh, it that's can, like, cool. Extend out from there. Yeah, I love the idea that you have like a spool on your back of this chain, and then and then where my brain went from there is that just kind of picturing the encounter suits themselves as being somewhere in between like actual Ghostbuster garb and like the old tiny diving suits with the with I the, love like, that helmets and stuff yeah so yeah I like the, then the idea that your your encounter suits are some something between an old timey diving suit and a Ghostbuster jumpsuit and then based on your different apparatus, you'll have different sort of back mounted or, or other gear uh, belts and the, and the like with your different uh, tools and canisters. Yeah. Uh, I and imagine then, the anchors encounter suit is probably the most old timey diving. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. I, I think it is a mix between old timey diving and a straight up support exosuit. Oh, uh, yeah. So, sort of like in, in Elysium. I hated the movie, but the exosuits were cool. Uh, now, those were like actually mounted to the body and stuff, but this would be part of the suit. Maybe some encounter suits, especially the heavier ones, have an almost Big Daddy aesthetic from Bioshock, maybe with a whole bunch of studs coming out of them for when the suit itself can be electrified. I mean, if we're going a whole hog into the idea that they're sort of old timey diving, which I love the idea of like the big circular helmets and like the windows that fog up and and all that stuff. That's very cool. Plus, I like the nautical theme for a world that, like, the ocean plays a pretty big piece. Right. Mm-hmm. And since he has shark teeth. Also, oh, that's oh, very, that's yes. dope. Nice. I did not even think of that. That's brilliant. 
All right, but just because he's wearing a, a big, big, strong diving suit does not mean we're going to refer to Joe as Big Daddy. Please. You might not. We're definitely not going to refer to Joe's be as Big Daddy. Stop emphasizing it. Strathmore once. <laughs> the biggest and daddiest. <laughs> we definitely shouldn't in the chat rename Joe to Big Daddy. Oh we, we certainly shouldn't do that. The good, the big, and the daddy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, so anyway uh, you two are suited up Uh, you carry your helmets alongside you as you make your way to the passageway in between the cars to the the gangway Uh, you don your helmets with the intention then of going up top uh, get on top of the car Uh, you exit through the sliding door at the rear of the sixth car and you can immediately see that the door to the seventh car it's not the same sort of loose sliding door uh, that you were in that was clearly there for all of the personnel cars to make it easier to get between them. Instead, there is a door very similar to like the hatch that was on the outside of the car to get in and out of the train. It has a big old hatch and this large wheel that you have to turn to open it, instead of having the handle out that you can like get a better grip on in order to turn it, that handle is uh, in and there is like two pieces of steel on either side, one of which which is locked in place with a a lock. Uh, It's a big old padlock. The wheel will not rotate unless that padlock is removed so you can slide that piece of steel away and actually move the wheel. So it's a a pretty chunky hold on it. Oh, do we not... Is it it locked and we don't have the key? Uh, That's correct for the cargo cars, which are behind. So you're currently on the gangway in between the cars and you can just see that the 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 easy to open, easy to close door that you just came from uh, is like... Clearly, these cars behind were not designed to be personnel cars. They're designed to be cargo. They're designed to be sealable. Okay, gotcha. And so uh, once you make your run to the gangway, you look to the, the left of the doorway. And like always, there is uh, a ladder that will take you. And, and I want to emphasize with this ladder, it's just like loops of steel that are welded to the side of the back of this train car. It's just there for you to get a good handhold and give your foot something to have some purchase on as you make your way to the top. Quick question. Yes. So if I use my heavy lightning hook for something, it uses up lightning oil. Is that only if I electrify it or is it that if I do anything with it at all? I would say that's only if you electrify it. Ah, well, I think to be a meat-headed show-off, I think Strathmill <laughs> would ignore the ladder and literally use her, her hook as a grappling hook to get on top of the train. I would like a finesse roll, please. No, I didn't have to be finesse. Okay. <laughs> because this isn't forced you're not breaking down a door <laughs> you're absolutely correct that's that's a seven okay uh, hey that's a success oh uh, no it's so- not it's a six because i have a minus one Shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh so yeah you fire your hook up to the top of the car uh and it it goes over the top and you like confidently press a button on the side of your gauntlet which closes the hook and you wait for it to catch and instead the hook just is pulled back and falls off the back of the train with a clatter onto the gangway as the loose chain begins its wind back up onto your backpack. (sighs) Zerik will uh, crack a smile. Which I have to say, whenever Zerik smiles, it's fucking intimidating. (laughs) I think think Strathmill finds it charming. Good, uh, good attempt. I guess I'll use the ladder. Uh, your hook rewinds. It attaches itself to your gauntlet, so it is prepared for another use at a later date. 
and the two of you climb the ladder up to the top of the train. Uh, at this point, you are both already wearing your, your helmets, uh, and they are sealed. Your suits are pressurized. You do have magnet boots, by the way, for once you're on the top. Um, but you climb your way up the ladder, you poke your head over the top, and are immediately assaulted by the rushing of the wind on either side of you. Uh, and very quickly, though, that constant roar of the wind, I think you become dull to it, especially given your experience now as as line bulls. This isn't the first time you've been on top of a train, and it's loud, but you, you get you get accustomed to it. I would like Zirik to roll insight for me, since you actually have the formal job of inspecting the top. Um, okay. Yeah, that's just a straight three. All right. <laughs> You're rolling 2d6. Everybody knows they're rolling 2d6, right? Yes. Unfortunately. Oof. Big oof. Watch every insight roll we make tonight be a three. Y'all that's can't two in a row. Shit. Uh, so I think what happens is as soon as you go above, I think last time when you you took the this route the opposite direction, right? I think when you did that, you didn't go up top, Zeric. Uh, and so you weren't prepared for the temperature change as you take this path. The climates of the different islands vary considerably between each other. Uh, this is a, a world whose magic was shattered in many ways like the isles themselves and the ruvia is full of volcanoes uh and specifically the dagger isles is basically think dark dank scary rainforest dang. and and that's that's the dagger isles so severus which is basically open open fields and deathlands uh is fairly arid i would assume but the Dagger Isles is much more moist. And I think basically as soon as you get on top of that train, your your helmet starts to fog up. And you you conduct your inspection. You walk across each car, hopping from car to car uh, very carefully. This is something you were practiced at, even if you didn't do it last time here. But you're constantly having to rub at your face to clear, clear away the condensation. And so I think you don't get a really good look at anything, at least nothing that you'd be able to ask any significant questions of, except you do get one immediately, right, for insight. So pick one of those questions and give it an ask, and I'll answer that one for you. I think the immediate question of what should I be on the lookout for is kind of self-explanatory, but but maybe, maybe, maybe something else aside from ghosts. Yeah, so what you do first, since you know that the cars behind you are cargo, and you're a little bit less worried about those, maybe. You take the ladder up to get on top of the car you're currently on, and you go forwards along the train first. And as you normally are, you're on the lookout for, do I see any ghosts? But atop the train, you have a very good view of it hurtling down its track, passing pylon after pylon of the electrical grid, which uh, runs along near it. And you can see the countryside as well. Currently, you are passing over a mountainous, vegetation-rich island of the Shattered Isles. And that's to your right. To your left is just the sea. Glassy, black, fairly placid, all things considered. And deep within it, you can see stars glinting in the distance, deep beneath its waves. And it seems fairly chill right now tonight. Uh, like you, you can't get a real good look at anything. But as you make your way to the front of the train, 
and then make your way back. I think you don't see anything out of the ordinary with any of the passenger cars. You're, you're on the lookout for places where ghosts might get in and like nobody even has like a window cracked or something. So all the shielding on those cars seems pretty, pretty darn okay. I wanted to ask, are you checking things out, Strathmill, or are you trying to showboat? Um, I think that uh, she would at least take a take a cursory look around. Um, see, because I mean, because I mean, the thing is, is that if she can spot something that he doesn't spot and then lord that over him, that would be, oh, that's that very good. good. So I will have you roll inside as well. That's another six. This time I rolled a five, but I have a plus one. Uh, so uh, it's the ghosts. They're already playing with us. Okay. Oh god. Um. It's, it's read between the lines. It's the ghosts. No, the ghost limes. You really got to watch out for scurvy. Truth. I think. I think. I guess. I guess. I'm feeling closest to what's really going on here. Kind of just like, I, I guess specifically like, does anything look whack? Yeah. Then I'm going to say that uh, the two of you split up to have uh, Zirik go uh, go along to inspect the forward cars, you to inspect the rear cars okay. uh, behind where you start off. And when you make your way onto the car immediately behind you, you can tell that despite the fact that the doors were well sealed, there are like tiny not quite pinprick, a little bit larger than that, maybe like penny-sized holes just peppered on the top of this car. Oh. And when you conduct your inspection on the the two behind it, it, they do not bear the same markings. Okay, wait, you said they're holes? Yeah, there's just, there's there's like, it's peppered with, uh, think of it not not quite as much like a mesh or something like that where that's like constantly holes but like every four or five inches there's like a penny sized hole or so it's perforated it's perforated yeah is it regular yeah it's very regular okay this seems to be intentionally done can i see inside the hole i would say with your insight and how foggy your (laughs) helmet is uh not not particularly you don't have a ton that would help with peering inside yeah i i don't think that she would immediately like go to use a resource to look in there unless yeah. unless you know depending on what our owl and spider come back from having learned okay so the two of you meet back down on the gangway at the back of car six where your room is having conducted your inspections there's holes in the the first cargo car on the, on the ceiling that's mean anything to you? Nothing particularly. Is that the most interesting thing you found out there, killer? Yeah. I mean, did you want me to find a ghost? I guess not. Well, we can bring it up with the others if it's a problem. And what about you, huh? You find anything cool? You got anything nifty to report? No. Just got to take take in the view a little bit. <laughs> And you asked me if I was going to do my job. (laughs) And the two of you make your way back into the sixth car. Meanwhile, while they were conducting their inspections, let's hop uh, into the train with the nobleman, Ranger Winterman leading, and then Rowan and Catterjune. So the the three of you make your way into first the, the fifth car, which 
About half of is uh, a series of bench tables, almost all of which are populated with other military folks who are dressed very similarly, although lacking in several of the distinctive chains uh, that Granger possesses, but they're, they're dressed very similar to him. Clearly, these are some of the military folks who are on this train, uh, some of the troops. And uh, the other half of it is filled with a fairly robust dining setup. There's a, a bar on one side. There is something akin to a grill at the other. And there are several people sitting on stools there uh, that are sipping on their drinks and munching on some good munch. Granger waves a hand uh, once you all make your way in. As you can see here, we have the finest dining experience that one can possibly afford on a, on a train of this, uh, of this magnitude. Uh, that is to say that our drinks in there is grub. <laughs> uh, I think on the way over there, Katarjun would have asked, uh, forgive my ignorance, but uh, what, what rank, what title do you go by? I usually have people refer to me either by my noble title as as a winterman, uh, but for someone of of your esteem, of your of your role on this operation on this train, you may call me Granger. Uh, when I am around others of my uh, of my cohort, uh, they can refer to me by my status, uh, but. Uh, you do not work for me, yes? This, this is true. In this particular area, we are co-workers, I suppose. We both seek to get from point A to point B, and uh, no surprises in between. That's what life is, is it not? Oh, a few surprises in life are not the worst thing. You've been with the military for quite a while, it seems? Oh, many, many years. Um, my brother and I joined when we were quite young. We wished to make a name for ourselves, for our family. And uh, I... And he gestures down to the different chains stretching across his, his breast pockets. Uh, I think that uh, our, our family can say that we've, we've made them proud. Clearly. What was your favorite favorite one to earn? I'm uh, trying to get war stories out of him. <laughs> I'm trying to get him going on war stories. Yeah. He I think he walks over to the bar and he pops a seat on one of the stools and waves to the the bartender who produces a sort of neon green beverage and a highball glass. And, and slides it across to him and he nods thanks uh, takes a sip makes a scowl but takes another sip <laughs> and uh, offers the stool next to him and, <laughs> and says there's not much to inspect I can answer some of your questions first Rowan's gonna keep up the inspection anyway I'm also uh, I want I want to get him talking about war stories but that's partly with the intent of getting him sort of thinking about that and paying less attention to where I'm looking and what I'm observing because I wanted also to roll insight. Okay, then actually I'll have Katarjean, you roll insight uh, in case you get any hold and want to provide assistance. Okay. Um, I got a 10. You got a 10, sweet. Then you get to hold two. And because I am sly, I get an extra one. Any chance Rowan doing what she does could 
you know, do that thing of quipping in here or there, maybe distracting the soldiers with the flip of a coin or whatever, possibly assist? The, the assistance description is, for every move above, force, finesse, insight, you may also spend one of your choices on these. You assist someone, they take plus one to their roll, or you interfere with someone, they take minus two. So uh, you, in, in conducting a successful force, finesse, or insight move, you may spend either one of your hold in the case of insight or one of your options in the case of force or finesse in order to assist or detract from something someone else is trying to do. I mean, that's the goal. The method is getting chummy with the soldiers while we're getting chummy with Granger Winterman and trying to apply a social pry bar, if you will. Then I would say that sounds like finesse then. Because cool. you're, you're trying to... I think Rowan in her upbringing has gotten very good at not magic, but flipping coins around, catching them, making a play of her dexterity and speed. Okay, cool. Uh, then roll finesse. And if you're successful, then you may provide that as an assist. Alas, that is a whopping six. Well, you do some neat coin tricks, that's for sure. And I think maybe these these soldiers are still a bit wary of you. Um, after all, many of them are from Severos, uh, and you are clearly from Aruvia. And I think maybe there's a bit of distrust of the unknown, uh, and that maybe serves as a barrier between you getting much closer to them. Makes sense. Still, with your insight of 10, you gain two questions uh, as hold, Katarjun. Uh, and then you also possess a extra question that you may ask at any point during this conversation. So I'm, I'm talking to him, but I'm also sort of looking around and I want to ask, uh, what are the soldiers around us really feeling? Hmm, okay. So the soldiers around you uh, are feeling, I think many of them are feeling out of place. They, they're eating, but there's a certain tension in the air just because I think you can tell that basically no one in this room has ever been on a train like this before. This is a pretty big movement and change for them. And I think there's maybe some concerns. They're outside of the lightning wards right now. And yeah, the trains go fast and they've got their own warding and stuff, but it's, it's nothing like the safety that they've enjoyed living in the city before. And I think in the type of deployment they have, uh, they're mostly there as sort of show or peacekeepers. So they haven't, I don't think these soldiers, they all seem fairly young. This is new to them. Okay. Uh, so you spent one of your three. What was your What was your question to kick into story time? Do you remember? Uh, what was your favorite one of your chains to earn? I think he gestures to the second one. Uh, the first one is like a simple silver chain, just denoting some some kind of change of rank that he went through at some point. But the following one is a much more intricately woven chain, interspersed with larger links, uh, all painted a or or maybe even anodized a really beautiful purple hmm. and uh, with a uh, it's it's almost like a pained smile he says there was uh, there was an operation in Scotland uh, that uh, I was involved with 
it is uh, prior to my ascending to the position I have now, I was still quite a a new recruit, very, very little, very little in the way of rank. And uh, we were, we were sent uh, out from near Lockport, uh, deeper, closer to the mountains. There was a a ghost uh, who had amassed some amount of power of influence and they were mounting increasingly dangerous attacks on the city. Uh, Something had to be done about it, so they decided to send my unit to go and break it up. We had some... And he points at the two of you. We had some of your kind with us there as well. uh, Serve as guides, as experts. And it's was good having them, but the uh, this this ghost knew of them too. Uh, as it turns out, this ghost had uh, once been a line bull themselves, and uh, knowing of their tools and techniques, uh, well, it was a very very difficult fight, and and it turned very quickly uh, against us. Uh, we ended up having to retreat but uh, my brother and I we we aided with that we uh, well I carried several of the wounded away uh, or incinerated the bodies of those that had died ensuring that no ghosts would come of it to complicate the matter Uh, my brother he uh, he kept the ghosts busy and uh I received this for commendation, for saving many and preventing further casualties, preventing further ghosts. Uh, my brother did not make it, but he posthumously received one as well. I think that she goes through a few different emotions in that uh, that that story. Like I think she starts it off kind of looking around and not really paying attention, but as he gets a little bit into it, she's listening more and especially the fact that the ghost that they fought was a line bull at one point i don't think that it had ever occurred to her that that was a thing that could happen and so that sends her brain in a flurry of different directions but i think also by the time he gets to the end of that story like she kind of expected that that might be the case about his brother from the like the tone in his voice mm-hmm. and so she she nods solemnly I'm sorry for your loss that must have been difficult he smiles a, a bit more of a genuine smile and takes another sip grimacing uh, from the glass it was uh, it was some time ago uh, since then I have had many opportunities to protect my fellow countrymen and uh, to do more for my family in my brother's place. What was his name? His name was Bartholomew. Did you and Bartholomew, were you always in the same unit? We joined around the same time and were at very similar deployments. I, I think since we worked so well together, they never sought to split us up. That makes sense. Within the conversation, I'd like to ask Granger. So, are you staying with this unit when you 
get to Mistport, or are you are you overseeing the transfer? Where I'm getting with the like finding out if he's staying is sort of a what's really going on here. Yeah. So I think that would be where she would go next, kind of building off of him saying he has a lot of opportunities to protect people and such. Yeah, at your pressing about his future with this unit, he says, uh, well, ultimately my responsibilities will likely lie elsewhere uh, in our deployment in Mistport. However, I will be I will be staying for some time overseeing our operations there. Uh, we all uh, have uh, special jobs from time to time, yes? Absolutely. I, uh, I look forward to uh, starting one there. But the, the way he talks about it uh, is sort of dodging your question. Mm-hmm. Okay. I still have one left. You do. You could spend it now or you could spend it in the course of your inspection. Yeah, you can hold on to it. You, you could hold on to that from this insight and spend that with an assist later, maybe, for something else. Yeah, okay. I'll do that for now. Okay. In... In a little bit of the conversation, I'll ask him a little bit more about his brother, just sort of trying to cheer him up a little bit, maybe, by talking yeah, about good times. He'll tell some stories about when they were growing up uh, and they were like trying to make some money on the side for their family. Uh, he'll, he'll explain that his family like, was a edge noble family that didn't have much in the way of means or, or methods for going up any further in the Imperium unless... Uh-huh through some sort of great contribution to it. And both of the brothers decided to go for a military service route. But he he tells stories of like when they were when they were kids and like trying to make a little bit of extra coin to to help things out at home. And they got into a lot of trouble because they didn't know any way to do that legally. <laughs> uh, so prior to his days uh, as an Imperium soldier, he... Uh, it, he he knew one a thing or two about some grift. <laughs> I think uh, Katarjean could probably commiserate on that. There were probably a few times that uh, that she and some playmates from the orphanage probably got into some trouble. So they can yeah, and, trade stories. And the way the way he talks about it is always like, well, uh, there could have been this time. There's a memory that I cannot quite recall. Maybe it is true. Maybe it is not. Surely. Giving, giving himself that extra plausible deniability. Okay. So after you finish up this chat, he finishes up his drink. Are we uh, ready to inspect the other cars? I think so. The three of you move on to the next one. The next three subsequent cars are fairly identical. That's cars number four, three, and two. Are, are pretty much identical to the car that you all have a room in. Uh, they're, they're basically just full of... They're a hallway with many, many doors leading to bunks, uh, which have presumably soldiers bunking in them, those that aren't back in the, the sort of mess space, the, the dining car. And you, you go through these, you inspect them. Uh, you have special goggles, yeah? I do. Uh, so you, like, cast those around, and uh, when they're... I imagine that a little bit they can see see through some materials even not like uh, see through like x-ray type but like the glasses are designed to help you inspect the spirit especially those of ghosts but I think you can also use them to 
inspect, you know, people. And when you see people, you can see that they have a spirit within them. Right. Uh, and like through some materials, like the walls in the train are probably some kind of wood because the metal from the outside of the train would be too expensive. And you can see that there are, you know, bodies in those bunks and, and they they have souls within them. And none of them seem to like, you know, have more than one or any, an, an abnormal number of souls or a particularly agitated soul or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But you can tell that these cars are full of folks and you make your way up to the VIP car. Uh, and this one, instead of being one of those sliding doors from the previous one, this one has a hatch similar to in the cargo car, but instead of it being like a big beefy locked one for for storing and preserving your goods this one is just sort of like the hatches on the exterior of the train aka not generally locked or anything like that just there as a formality just to make it a little bit more complicated than just sliding the door away so the two of you cross that gangway and like i'm assuming all along are sort of inspecting around the gangways making sure you don't see anything loose any gaps in any of the the metal in the exterior of the train uh maybe doing a quick test poking an unprotected finger at the outside of the train to see if you get a little shock from the the warding, and you do. And you make your way into the VIP car, and it's guilt. It's not the narrow hallway with rooms on either side. There are some rooms towards the front of it, um, but the other half of the car is open, and there's like a big poker table, and there's a whole dining apparatus in this car as well. Mm -hmm. However, it's like pretty much empty, there's like a dealer sitting at the poker table and there's a, a couple of folks sitting there, both who are not dressed as military, but more noble-esque garb. And they both have uh, even larger gold studs in their ear than Granger has. Right on. But you inspect this car and like, it's kind of just an undercapacity VIP car. Granger points and whispers like, I have one of those rooms up there, but I cannot stand these people. <laughs> we'll, we'll give him a, a soft smile. Rowan very much does the same, having encountered too much noble fuckery aboard the Leviathan Hunters. Mm-hmm. Beyond this car, of course, is, uh, is the engine. If you would like to speak with the conductor again, uh, I suppose you could. But I assume he has operations to attend to. Yes, he, he gave us a way to communicate with him if necessary in which case uh, he points back down the car would we like to retire to the uh, dining car for now I could go for a uh, a sandwich she'll agree to that but kind of look around and, and do a quick once over again with the spirit goggles just to yeah uh, same thing as before all bodies seem to have the normal amount of souls there's nothing about the soul like or the spirit that seems particularly out of place. Okay. I think before we proceed, Rowan drives the point slightly. No word whatsoever about that cargo. Even the smallest news would help if it's solid or liquid, even. Animal, vegetable, or mineral. Uh, Katarjun, do you want to spend one of your insight as sure. part of this punch? Yeah. I think in your chatting with him, you've sort of buttered him up a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I'll have that as an assist to an impose your will from Rowan. Okay. Oh, so you get a plus okay. One. Yeah. Okie doke. Uh, so with impose your will, uh, when you impose your will to get your way, roll. Uh, if your steel is greater, take plus one. If your level is greater, take plus one. 
Uh, if you are a noble of Akros, take plus one. If you threaten bodily harm and your force is greater, take plus one. Uh, on a 12 plus, they are so overwhelmed that they do what you say without another thought. On a 10 or 11, they choose either do what you say or take two trauma. On a 7 to 9, it's one trauma. If you threaten bodily harm, they can force your hand and take the threatened harm instead of trauma. Gotcha. So I don't know what you have in the way of steel, but maybe. Rowan does have plus one. Uh, he is obviously a soldier. I strongly doubt that a force of zero is greater than his. I have a small but embering hope that her steel is greater at plus one. Uh, I'll, I'll give you that. Okay, um, cool. He is, after all, still a noble, for one thing. Yeah. He has not lived as hard of a life as you. Oh, that is pretty solid. That is nine plus one and plus one again makes 11. That makes 11. On a 10 or 11, they choose either do what you say or take two trauma. I've heard a story once of a line run where the bulls, similar to here, weren't allowed to look at the cargo. And sure enough... Most on board had done their duty, brought nothing awry, and smugglers brought filled spirit bottles. We understand the Imperium has its business. We also need to make sure none others do. He takes a look around. So you currently you're in the VIP car. Yes, and she's trying to, you know, whisper this aside. She's not a nap yeah. to the room. Yeah, he stands aside to you uh, and looks between you and Katarjune. And I think clearly, especially based on the story he told earlier, he has a, a good deal of respect for you and your occupation. As I think he views it as being very similar, but a different expertise to that of a soldier. Uh, look, I, I do not wish to make it more difficult for you to do your jobs uh, or, or pose any... Uh, potential harm to the passengers of this train. Obviously, I am trying to ensure that everything is smooth and appropriate. As as per my orders, I am working the logistics to get my, my people and the things from point A to, to point B, yes? Uh, if, uh, if we head back to uh, the sixth car, maybe we could... Uh, take a little bit of a look in the seventh. Would that soothe your mind a bit? Yes. That would help greatly. Thank you for your assistance. But just for a moment, and I I have to have your, your trust that uh, this is not something that you will spread around. Rowan zips her lips. Granger smiles. Come with me then. Hi, it's me, your GM, David here. Thank you for listening to our show. Much like a train, our Ghost Lines one-shot, it starts off a bit slow, but once it gets going, it's pretty hard to stop. Listening, that is. If you've enjoyed what you've heard here so far, or have listened through some of our other one-shots, please consider leaving us a review in your podcatcher, or telling a friend about our show. Also, be sure to follow and engage with us on Twitter at TOTA Podcast. That's T-O-T-A Podcast. We've got some really great things in the works, and you'll be the first to hear of it if you follow us there. For now, I'll send you back to today's episode. I hope to see you again on May 5th for the next installment. Till then. (laughs) 
yeah, you make your way back through the train, and in the sixth car, you run back into your compatriots, uh, back into Zirk and Strathmel, who have just finished their operation uh, inspecting the top of the train. All four of you are back together, along with Granger. He waves to you as, as he comes into the car. I imagine he's still sort of walking ahead. He is a very brisk walk, uh, Granger. And he leads Katarjun and Rowan back to Zirik and Strathmel. Uh, how did you find your inspection? Uh, quite, quite pleasant, I hope. Uh, nothing concerning. Well, I can't say the weather's nice. <laughs> uh, oh, that is a great shame. I have, uh, I have heard it is quite nice in the Dagger Isles. Not that I would uh, ever want to visit. Yes, I hear a Mistborn legend how if you spend more than a week there, on the 8th, you'll wake up with a dagger between your ribs. But sailor's tales do get wild. And it wasn't so bad riding the other way. What could happen? We all kind of look over at Strathmill like, <laughs> why would you say that? She, she just like makes a face at you like, what, what are you superstitious or something? Well, <laughs> I didn't used to be. We, we are on the train trying to avoid ghosts. And that's why we're here. Fair enough. Uh, well, first he looks over to Katarjun and says, uh, are your comrades good? They are very good. Rowan gives a quiet nod and looks to the other two. I trust them with my life. Uh, he takes a, a close look at either of them and he says, uh, you trust the stranger with your life? Again with this shit. <laughs> He's not so strange once you get to know him. Uh, now this one, uh, you are from Akaros, yes. Yeah, let's not talk about it. <laughs> he sort of holds up his hands. All right, all right. Uh, you should be proud of your homeland, though. <laughs> yeah, great place. All right, let's move on. <laughs> he guides you through the back door of the sixth car and goes to the lock on the 7th. Again, once as soon as you get outside, you you hear the roar of the wind of the train, the, the thundering of its mighty wheels on the tracks as it heads down towards its destination. Chugga, 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 It's train, forgot to go fast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Whilst we do so, Rowan will just briefly kind of like look at Zirik and Strathmill. She's basically just casting a glance at them regarding the inspection. Oh, okay. I think I think Strathmill would just shrug just that there wasn't much to see. You share these glances behind Granger as he fiddles with a key that he pulls out from one of his breast pockets and finally finds the correct one. Pushes it through the lock, unlocks it with a mighty heft, uh, straining a little bit. He twists the wheel to the other side, uh, and with a hiss, uh, the door opens a bit. And he turns around to you and says, uh, "Now, do be uh, be gentle with your movements." Eh? Uh, and he goes inside. I kind of look at the other ones, like, okay. <laughs> And follow through. Rowan double checks her 
lightning oil bottles. I think that uh, Strathmill will mentally take note of where on his person he puts the key. Nice. Uh, he puts it back in uh, his his left of two uh, right breast pockets. Wow. If that's confusing two enough. Two right breast pockets. Well, he has fancy. two because there's a chain. There's multiple chains that dangle between them that are his signs of status. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's got many pockets. He does. <laughs> Good man. Katarjun is impressed. Uh, so the four of you make your way inside behind Granger, and you're immediately accosted by the smell um, of of flesh of animal, and you see uh, not packed, um, but to either side where in the previous cars there was sort of an aisle with rooms and doors on either side. Instead, in this one, there are wire stalls, almost cages on either side. Uh, And you can see that there are probably 30 or 40 horses in this car. Specifically, you can tell based on the, the way the mane is, the hair on these horses is like slick, almost like an otter's. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, like their their features uh, are exceptionally dark. None of the, there's not one of these horses that is not silver or black in some capacity, and you immediately recognize them as horses of Severus, which means that these horses are used by the people of Severus. They are they are ridden, and they help them hunt and eat ghosts. The horses do 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 eat the ghosts. The the people do not so much. Don't knock it till you try it. At least they're not supposed to. <laughs> yeah. So these these horses, uh, the lips, I don't think quite meet at the end, so they're almost always showing a bit of their teeth, which are fairly similar to normal horse teeth in that they're sort of flat. They're not like pointed or something like that. But you can tell, though, like as some of them whinny slightly as you all come in, as you enter the space that they're in, uh, some of them do, or flick their tails. Uh, you can tell that just the tip of the mouth opens like you expect on a normal horse where, where the mouth is, but there are, on either side of these horses' heads, there are scarring uh, along the length past their mouths up further along their head. Uh, and all the horses have this as a, as a feature. Uh, and that's also, that's also one of the things that makes them distinct as Severosi ghost-hunting horses. Zirkel, uh, as he's walking, just kind of put his hands up behind his head in a more relaxed position and just be like, damn, why are we even here? <laughs> Granger gestures and then says quietly, uh, so as you can see, we have uh, horses. Uh, now, moving these out of Severos is a bit of a, a, a potentially dangerous gambit. They are somewhat of an invasive species Uh, but we intend to uh, test out their military applications makes sense to do so among the sands I think uh, Katarjean will put on her spirit goggles yeah you put on your spirit goggles and as you inspect the room you can see that actually up here towards the front uh, it's not all cages full of horses there are like a couple of, uh, I don't want to call them troughs, but there are some like baskets that are filled with bottles 
And you can see with your special eyes, with your goggles, that in each of these bottles, there is a spirit. Hmm. Okay. She'll point that out to the rest of the group, which, like, makes sense. Yeah. Rowan stops walking for a moment, puts her hands on her hips, and just muses, filled spirit bottles. I suppose these make some sense, but... And leaves air for Winterman to fill. Yeah, uh, Granger Winterman gestures behind him. Feed for the horses. I didn't realize they didn't also eat normal feed. They have a certain preference. (laughs) Zirik will uh, look up at the ceiling. I'm assuming he sees a a perforation. Yeah, uh, there are a series of perforated holes on the roof of this uh, to allow the horses to breathe. He'll he'll like reach forward and and tap uh, Strathmill on the shoulder, and then when she looks at him, just like point up holes. Yeah, I figured it out. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> figured what out? And Rowan looks up. Couldn't figure out why there was a perforation when we looked at the top of this car. Huh. I guess if they don't eat normal food, but they breathe normal air. Whatever, I'm not a horse. I don't get it. <laughs> You're not a horse. <laughs> so Granger uh, looks back at you all. So I, I hope I have satisfied your curiosities, uh, assuaged your fears, perhaps. I got a question. Uh, yes. Are, are they going to freak out if there's a ghost? Like, if we actually have to fight, so if we have to actually have to do our jobs, are they going to freak out? Uh, and he, like, scratches his neck. I will be honest. I have not spent much of my life around horses. <laughs> I mean, if any ghosts were to accidentally break into this car, they'd pretty much be walking to their own death trap. Got a point. Uh, I would like to just... Just just to be sure. Just check over the spirit bottles. Mm-hmm. Just give them a once-over if Granger doesn't let me touch them. Uh, for any signs of wear or tear or... Uh, yeah, uh, you, you go to inspect them and Granger does like follow you to watch you inspecting them. But you, you look over them and they seem tightly sealed. Uh, it's not exactly something that we have a stock of uh, back at the base but we're going to need something to to feed the horses, uh, especially as treats. Treats. Are there crates around, presumably filled with more? Uh, no, 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 no. These uh, baskets here are the, the stock we're bringing back with us on this train. You intend to test these horses very quickly then, on arrival? Uh, well, we wish to uh, test, test out these horses, uh, train them, yes. Uh, this world has an abundance of several things. Uh, he nods down to the bottles. These are a bit of a hassle to collect, but uh, they are a renewable resource, yes? Rowan will smile in the way that's like, really? And also, slight amusement <laughs> as she jangles the spirit bottles on a bandolier that she wears and says, hmm. Not quite as renewable as you'd think. He points to your bottles. 
Well, if you uh, if you collect any more for uh, me today, perhaps uh, we can feed one to the horses together. <laughs> uh, and he chuckles, uh, and then the train shakes. I don't like that. The spirit bottles clink together. The horses sort of pace nervously in their stalls. And the train shudders from side to side a little bit, almost as if you were like on an airplane experiencing turbulence. Mm. Um, and then it's it continues onwards like normal. Maybe we should take a look. Rowan nods and flips a switch here and there to get her lightning web thrower up to idle speed. So it emits a soft whir. Caterjean will suggest we all go back out uh, and use the gangway to look around once we get out there. Uh, well, I am lacking in the appropriate equipment. Uh, I uh, I hope your job is swift and effective. Yes, you, you should stay here. And she kind of looks around and she's like, this is probably the safest car. One quick question. Yeah. Do we know... Obviously, ghosts are ghosts. Yeah. All the same, powder is powder. Do we know to what extent common soldiers or officers' armaments would offer any resistance against ghosts? So uh, I imagine that they have particular equipment that is used for those sorts of activities. But I don't think that he has any particularly on him. He might have like a, a blade that could be charged up or something. And I also think that a lot of the equipment for the for the military when handling ghosts is I think they have portable railguns. That hell yeah is so much more extreme than I would have thought, and I'm here for it. Well, because like this is a this is a society that harnesses the power of electricity as it can be generated from electroplasm in new and interesting ways. Are so they I'm electroplasmic also... railguns? Yeah. Question. Yeah. Can they be? electroplasmic coil blunderbuss where we'll just spread out some shrapnel with just enough charge to really tear into ghosts. I love uh, electroplasmic blunderbuss. That's my new band name. (laughs) (laughs) That is fantastic, honestly. Hop on the electroplasmic blunderbuss. (laughs) But again, he is here for logistics. He is not particularly armed. Uh, Now, that is not to say that there is not any armaments anywhere uh, or that they don't have any, but he does not have any with him here in this car. Okay. Uh, So he says, like, I will uh, bolt the door and uh, he crosses his fingers and play the security works. (laughs) You are surrounded by the horses. Yeah, he says, and if not, he gestures, uh, hopefully one will be hungry. (laughs) So, yeah, you all leave this car and... You seal the door behind you and climb up to the top.